You get Cam Newton or Chase Daniel to go win one game. Who you want? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, that is an incredibly tough question. Hello, welcome to Always College Football. Today's Monday, the first day of the SEC Media Day Tour. We're here in Atlanta. We have an unbelievable setup here. We have a bunch of coaches that will be rolling through. We have a bunch of players that will be rolling through and we'll be able to hit some of the biggest storylines surrounding the Southeastern Conference. We appreciate you being with us. It's always like, rate, and subscribe. It really helps the show out. Hit us up in the comments section on ESPN's YouTube channel. You can also hit up the show via email. That's at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Greg Mack, or you can hit up the show on Twitter, at alwayscfp. We have a great show in store for you today. We're going to talk about the new coaches in the SEC. Brian Kelly and Billy Napier take over two storied programs at both LSU and at Florida, respectively. We'll dive into what their seasons might look like, and we're going to be joined by the head coach of the Missouri Tigers. He's Eli Drinkwitz. So we have so much to get into, and we have so much to look forward to, so let's get right into it. Let's talk about it. So much has been made about Brian Kelly. We'll get to Billy Napier in just a minute. He's the other first-year coach in the SEC, but let's talk about Brian Kelly for a minute. Uh, I've been amazed at the coverage and the amount of polarization that this hire has generated. I mean, people have made fun of his accent, people have made fun of some of the things and the fit and saying he's just such a fish out of water. Well, let me tell you what the water's like down in Baton Rouge. It has nothing to do with you know, whether or not he can talk and look and act and pretend to be from Louisiana. Not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. Wanna know what is going to matter and you wanna know what being a fit is? at a specific university with expectations. How about winning? Brian Kelly, throughout the course of his entire tenure, doesn't matter what level, you can go all the way back to Grand Rapids, you can go all the way to Cincinnati and Central Michigan, Notre Dame. He's won at every single stop. And the people have acted almost as if Brian Kelly was, you know, he's underachieved and he, you know, he couldn't get Notre Dame over the hump. Well, last time I checked, 10, 12 years ago when he took the job at Notre Dame, people said Notre Dame will never return to glory. They're never going to be what they were. And what did he do? Yes, he got to the playoffs, and it got sideways. He, he couldn't compete against the likes of Georgia, Clemson, Alabama. I, I get that, and that's, that's probably frustrating for Notre Dame fans, but they were there. They were in the mix. And I think he deserves an immense amount of credit for reinventing himself a couple times along the way. Look, he got to the championship in 12. They got destroyed. He said, we got to change. We got to be different. They made some adjustments, they adapted a little bit, and then they found their way into the playoffs on multiple different occasions. And there were games, too. The final score wasn't always indicative of just how close some of those games were. So Brian Kelly, I think, is a home run hire. He's a top five head coach in all of college football, and I would be shocked, absolutely shocked, if LSU isn't competitive in every game this year, and if they don't compete for championships here in the next handful of seasons. He's the real deal and has proven that at every single stop he's had. And then we turn our attention quickly to Billy Napier. Billy Napier comes over to Florida after being insanely patient the last few years at Louisiana. Everybody wanted to say, he's the next guy, he's the next guy. It was almost like Tom Herman a couple years ago. Remember when Tom Herman was at Houston and he was just the, the hot commodity? So much buzz, which job's he gonna take? He's gonna have his pick of the litter. He can do whatever he wants. He, of course, inevitably chose Texas 
And I don't want to draw comparisons to a coach that was recently fired. I'm not trying to do that. All I'm saying is the situation was somewhat similar, but for whatever reason, Billy Napier wasn't ever given the same amount of credibility that Tom Herman and some of the other hot group of five head coaches got. But if you look at what, he, what he's accomplished in the state of Louisiana, to be able to recruit the players that he's accomplished, they've put several players in the NFL. And I think what's most interesting, a lot of times when you look at some of those group of five programs, they get by on unique offense and they try to get creative and they do some things that kind of trick their opposition. Not Billy Napier. When you put on the tape and you watched Louisiana the last few years, you know what you got? Ground and pound, physical, tough at the line of scrimmage, efficient, for the most part, quarterback play, athleticism at every skill position, great defensive tenacity where they really rallied to the football. They were a fun team to watch. Why was that? Because that is what Billy Napier is. He's gonna bring consistency, he's gonna bring an edge, He's gonna to bring toughness. And by the way, he's gonna bring some recruiting pipelines because Billy Napier is as tied in as just about any young head coach in the Southeastern United States. His brother is a big time head football coach at a high school in Georgia, LaGrange High School, if I'm not mistaken. So he is extremely tied in. So you know that even though Florida fans, they're always gonna be mad if every player they don't, if every player they recruit is you know, isn't a five-star, then everybody's, you know, everybody stinks. That's not the case. Billy Napier has a process. He's going to follow that process. And I'd be shocked if Florida isn't contending for championships again here in the very near future. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Going now by the head coach of the Missouri Tigers, year number three. No one's had a weirder three-year run than you. You step in, you got... Have to deal with the COVID year. You take a great step last year, and now here you are. First, I guess, normal year. Is that fair? Yeah. You know, I think um, 
I don't know if you could say we haven't had any changes because obviously you've had turnover and all that stuff, but right. there's more of a foundation set. I think there's more comfortability, if that's the right word, of <laughs> just every day you kind of know what the schedule's going to be. The players know what to expect, and uh, they're comfortable in the, the environment. I remember coming up and seeing you guys and the infrastructure. I had not been to Columbia in probably mm -hmm. five years before when we went back and did the spring game this year. The commitment that y'all have made to football and the advancement of Rowe Field, that's how much better it is today than it was five years ago, is off the charts good. How much of a role did you play in that? Well, none, really. I think Faro Field was born out of the move to the SEC as far as the southeast end zone. And it just took a while to get it done. But since you've been there, um, the steel structure has gone up for the indoor. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's going to be a, a total transformation. And our athletic administration has a vision for the, for the future of what they want our athletic sports uh, complexes to look like. And, you know, we're challenging to, that we want to improve in every aspect so that we can continue to improve in this league. When you look at how you've already started to see some of the rewards being reaped, Especially on the recruiting trail. I mean, yeah. Luther Burden. Yeah. Luther Burden, three or four years ago, I don't know if he goes to Missouri, but now today's <laughs> yeah. day and age with the offense that you're going to run, with the looks he's going to get, yeah. here he is, number one receiver in the country, playing for the Missouri Tigers. So how do you anticipate the changing landscape continue to help you guys on the trail and kind of create more notoriety for the guys in-state in St. Louis and Kansas City? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the stats we have is 10 of our new uh, signees and players are from the state of Missouri, and yeah. that means that you have 10 – players who are all good enough to play in the SEC from our state. And, and uh, you know, that's that's kind of the mission. I think we had six players drafted from um, the city of St. Louis last year. None of them played at the University of Missouri. we gotta, we got to reverse that trend. Uh, and we've had several players step out in faith and, and say, okay, we're going to believe in what uh, Coach Drink and the staff is selling. And now it's time for us to deliver and show uh, continued improvement. We got through, what, three questions before I asked you about quarterback competition? Yeah, that's pretty good. Not bad. Right? Yeah, that's pretty good. I got to loosen you yeah, up a couple softballs, yeah. then we'll get down to it. Yeah. How's that competition going between Brady Cook and Tyler Macon? Well, really, it's between Brady, Tyler. We, you know, when you were at spring, that was who it was between. Right. We've added uh, Jack Abraham, who is a, a, a transfer quarterback yeah. who's got a lot of experience. And then we've got Sam Horn, uh, knock on wood. We get through the draft today. Uh, so, you know, those guys are all doing exactly what we've asked them to do and embrace the competition. And as you know, when there's a competition going on, every single day is a challenge. They've got to be on their A game every day. And, and that's the thing I've noticed, that there hasn't been bad days. Brady hasn't come in with a different attitude or Mako hasn't come in with a bad attitude. It's, hey, we're coming to attack this thing because there's four guys who want the job and it means something to them. So um, we'll see. I'm excited. You know, we want it to settle faster than it is, but uh, I think somebody will take hold of it in the first 10 to 14 days, and, and we'll be able to get moving in that direction, play to their strengths. Well, I love your weapons. Uh, I think your quarterback. I like your quarterbacks. I, mean, mm -hmm. I, really do. I mean, like your quarterbacks. Love your weapons. Defensively, obviously, wasn't what you wanted last year. And, uh, and, uh, that's fair to say. We celebrate college football on the show, Coach. Yeah, like, yeah. It wasn't what you wanted. I was just looking for a little room pretty for good. improvement. Yeah. Uh, but there is room for improvement. That's the positive. Mm -hmm. So well, what's been the message from Coach Baker, your new defensive coordinator, to the guys and trying to kind of reinvigorate that side of the ball? 
Well, I think uh, the biggest thing he's done is taken what they learned last year, the, the names, the schemes, and he's added his touch to it. Uh, we've added a lot of transfers. I mean, we've added transfers at every position on the defensive side of the ball to improve the competition. It's mm -hmm. hard to replace somebody if there's nobody to replace them with, right? <laughs> and so um, that's not the case anymore. Every position has high-level competition, multiple players with multiple starts, and, uh, and that breeds uh, a certain demand and, and um, competitive fight in the, in the, in the locker room, in the, in the weight room, and everything they do. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to uh, see those guys grow. I mean, I remember when we were doing the spring game, it's like they gave up a couple big plays. Dude, they were fighting, man. Mm -hmm. They were. I mean, they were playing yeah. hard. I mean, it wasn't for a lack of effort. Yeah. I mean, they were playing hard. And, you know, in the spring, we had a lot. We were still coming back from injuries in the secondary. Sure. And, and obviously our defensive tackle position had, had taken quite a, quite a bit of a hit um, in the spring game. And, and we've been able to address all of those needs. Um, you know, Ennis Rakestraw's back. Right. Um, Chris Abrams-Drain, who wasn't able to participate, who's one of the best corners in this league, uh, is back full strength, ready to go. Uh, LJ Hewitt's a transfer that we added. Drayden Norwood played quite a bit in the spring game. Um, D-Jack is, is another guy who, who was dinged up a little bit in the spring and he's full speed so you know we really feel like that corner position has got um a lot of depth and, and look forward to that competition for sure how much is the league and i've, I've hypothesized about this I'm, it might be might be lunacy in your eyes but i feel like the league it was always about ground and pound it's always about the front seven defensively that's who it was line of scrimmage league right i feel like it's it's changing a little bit and, and you see guys almost everyone in the league has some question marks along the offensive line everyone in the league might have one or two great players on the front but no one has nine or ten except for georgia last year, last you know? year so, but how would you say the league and you've been around it a while how would you say the league has changed since you were in it back in the late 2000s and, and yeah. to where it's at now here in the early 2020. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that the league was more ball control. It wasn't necessarily about scoring as many points. I mean, when we were at Auburn with Cam uh, in 10, we were one of the leading scorers in the country. But I think, you know, against y'all, we only got to 31, you know I mean? so Or 27 or something like that. Yeah, it's 27, you know. Yeah, it's 28. Yeah, I don't exactly. know why I remember the score. I don't either. You had a concussion that game. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about Cam in a minute. I'm going to yeah. put you on the spot since you're yeah. the coach of Missouri. But we'll but, get to that. <laughs> um, I think now it's become more of a wide open, and I think really what adopted it was, was Coach Saban. When he went into saying, hey, we're going to have to score, we're going to have to embrace the tempo, uh, the rest of the league did. And obviously this league has tried to mimic the teams that have had the most success in this league, which is at the end of the day you're mimicking Coach Saban. Um, and so I think that's what you're seeing. I will say – the one thing for me that hasn't changed is teams that are winning have dominant defensive lines mm -hmm. or a dominant player on the offensive line. Um, you can look at Kentucky's success the past two seasons sure. and look at their trenches. I mean, on the offensive line, they had two NFL players at the tackle positions. On the defensive line, uh, Josh Paschal was a, a drafted player. And then you look at uh, Georgia last year, I mean, just a dominant defensive front. Um, you look at Alabama, the dominant defensive front. So the teams that are winning still have dominant players. I think what you see is the depth that they can put, yeah. the more people they can throw in there to consistently um, affect the game is the ones that are being successful. How do you get the depth where you want it along the defensive line, whether it be in Missouri or wherever? I mean, it's, it's, it feels like now, hey, I'm not getting time. I'm out of here. Like, you yeah. know, it's like, I'm not the dude. All right, see y'all. Like, how do you establish depth? Because back in the day, it's like, hey, man, if I'm getting – 
30 snaps a game, that's pretty good. Now you get 30 snaps a game, he's in the portal. So how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I think it'll settle down. Yeah. It's going to have to. I think it's, I definitely think it will settle down as um, we get more used to use to this narrative. I mean, you, you're going to have guys who have transferred and they start figuring out that the grass wasn't always greener. Maybe a starter from your school transferred and is on a second team now sure. at his new place. He's going to realize that probably wasn't the best move for him. Um, but I think you also got to continue to find ways to, to make sure people feel like they're developing and growing, whether that's a connection with the player from their position coach or whether it's from the head coach or film or whatever it is, they're going to have to buy into the development piece and they're going to have to buy into the vision of the coach. Yeah, it's, it's fun to me to kind of think about, you know, how much it's changed, how quickly it's changed, and it, it might reverse course, we'll see, but it certainly doesn't feel like that right now. It's not reversing course. <laughs> it doesn't feel right. No. Um, I was actually coming back from vacation, and yeah. uh, it said, and there was a church sign, it said, normal is never coming back, and I was like, that's probably right. right, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the Simpsons, but the old man yelling at the clouds. Oh, very right? familiar, yeah. That's what I kind of feel like we become when we start talking about NIL and, and um, transfer portal. I mean, the reality of it is it's here to stay. There may or may not be guardrails put in place. I mean, we're hoping for a federal solution. Right. There's been a lot of federal stuff get passed, right? No, there's not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless we can get Joe Manchin on charge, yeah. you know, Joe Manchin to uh, help us. He seems like he's running the, the government right now anyway. So I think um, we're just going to have to embrace it. I think we've got to look at what the positives to what we're trying to accomplish in college football are. Um, and we've got to get the powers that be to figure out what course and what direction are we setting in the college football world. Yeah. Um, you know, it's no longer amateurism, which is what it was when you were playing. Um, so what is it now? And what is that thing that we all rally behind and say, this is what college football and college athletics represents, and this is what we're going to guard and preserve. Uh, and until we do that, we're just old men yelling at the clouds. Yeah, certainly feel. I don't think you're that old, but yeah, no. I feel like we're yeah. all feeling a little older. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I'll put you on the spot for the last question. You're the head coach of Missouri. Uh, one of the most storied players in the history of Missouri is Chase Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, probably make a strong argument he's the best Missouri Tiger quarterback ever. And some might say Brad Smith, some might say someone else. Who knows? Uh, Blaine Gabbert, perhaps. Who knows? But I'm going to use Chase Daniel because I think he's the best at Missouri. Uh, you also coach Cam Newton. Yeah. You get Cam Newton or Chase Daniel to go win one game. Who you want? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, that is an incredibly tough question. You know, I, I did not get a chance to coach Chase or right. be around Chase. I've just heard stories um, and know what a unique player he was. Obviously, I think when he was there, they took down number one Oklahoma and, and uh, won the, the Big 12 North both times, um, was a Heisman finalist. Um, Absolutely outstanding player. Obviously, Cam in his one year Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was unbelievable. I mean, there's right. only two players drafted yeah. in, in, off the 2010 Auburn team. Fairly and Cam. And Cam Newton. It's crazy. And Not uh, one player on that Auburn team ever registered a catch or a rush attempt in the NFL outside of Cam. Unbelievable Did you know stat. that? It's crazy, isn't it? Unbelievable stat. How about that? And so he carried um, y'all to the national championship. Yeah, yeah. Physically, I mean, I remember the the uh, LSU game yeah. where he had like twenty six carries, and and we ended up beating him maybe ten to seven or seventeen seven. It was something crazy, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not picking. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah, but but both of those guys. <laughs> you know, I think the one thing I I know about Cam was 
what an unbelievable leader he was yeah. and the way he galvanized that locker room and got people to believe. And those are the same stories I hear about Chase. Right. Um, the fact that he was an undersized player, but he had a belief in, in himself and a belief in his team, and he instilled that confidence in his team. And I think when you're looking for a quarterback, that's, that's really the quality and characteristic that's probably the most important. What a diplomatic answer. I'm proud of you. Yeah, the way that you, you straddled the fence, gave love to both, that was excellent. Yeah, I'm trying to get into TV later. <laughs> well, straddle the fence is probably not the way to go, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, you got to have hot takes. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you, man. Yeah, Best man. of luck this year. Thanks for the time. Hopefully we'll see you in Columbia again. I'm looking forward to it. All right, buddy. All right, Coach. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And now it's time to do one of our favorite segments. We appreciate so much all the questions and feedback you guys have already given us. Remember, when you pass us along some questions via our email, alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. We'll do the best we can to get them on the air. We've already had a lot of great ones. We're already stockpiling some mailbag questions. So we really look forward to answering those here in the days and weeks to come. So let's kick it off. All right, Greg, from Frank in Charlotte. Who is in the best position to challenge Georgia in the SEC East this year? Man, it's a great question. Because when you look at Georgia and what they were able to do last year, just how dominant they were, especially against SEC East foes, it's hard for me to envision anybody being able to really close that gap. When we dive into some of the possibilities, okay, Florida, where are they at right now? They traditionally have been the team that has most consistently beat Georgia in recent years, but doesn't feel like they're quite ready to make that leap. Anthony Richardson, a quarterback, is phenomenal. He's a great talent. But do they have enough around him, in particular along the offensive line? Do they have enough around him at the skill positions? Do they have enough athleticism? And speed at the skill positions, those are all question marks that I have for Florida, so I don't think they're the team. Let's go next to Tennessee. They're the hottest thing going right now. They're the talk of college football with what Hendon Hooker and Josh Heupel did in year number one. I love them. I think they're athletic. I love their tempo. I love their style. Have some concerns a little bit about the offensive line. Have some concerns a little bit about their defensive front seven. What will they look like defensively? I think they lost a couple key pieces on that side of the ball, and they weren't great by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're going to be able to beat a team like Georgia, you got to be able to manufacture enough negative plays against their offense to get them out of rhythm. 
And I'm not sure at this point Tennessee's quite ready to make that leap. The team that I'm going to go with, and it might shock you, because I don't like the matchup. I just don't like the matchup at all, and we can all remember what it looked like last year. But I'm going to go with South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina, to me right now, is the team that nobody's really talking about. They bring in a quarterback in Spencer Rattler, and we know, hey, look, in that offense, if you can get your quarterback going, I think you got a legitimate chance to make a lot of noise. A lot of noise. South Carolina has Spencer Rattler. He's transferred over from Oklahoma. Things went sideways. He was too cautious. He was too scared to make a mistake. He didn't play freely in any of the first four or five games of the season last year. As a result, he was benched. Caleb Williams took over. He now finds a new home in South Carolina. But this dude is the real deal. And if he can return to some of the form that we saw at the end of the 2020 season, they could be stepping into a situation where they have maybe the second, at worst, third best quarterback in the SEC. Quarterback makes all the difference. If there's one thing we know about that rivalry too, Georgia and South Carolina, I've seen great, great, great Georgia teams lose to very average South Carolina teams. I'm not predicting it. I think Georgia runs the table in the East, and I think they get back to another SEC championship game. But the gap, still significant. The team with the best quarterback, in my opinion, is South Carolina, especially if we can see the Spencer Rattler that we saw from a couple years ago. All right, Greg, we're going to go back to Tennessee for a second. The next one comes from Jack in Tennessee. What would be better for the Vols, a 10-win season or a 7-win season, but they beat Alabama and Georgia? Or Georgia. <laughs> I mean, how can you ever pick a situation where a seven-win season is more promising than a ten-win season? I just can't do that. <laughs> I just can't do that. But hear me out for a second. It's been such a long time for Tennessee, especially against Alabama. That's their bitter rival. That's their arch rival. And they haven't beaten Alabama since 2006. I was a true freshman. That's how long ago it was. And I remember it vividly. Being up there and hearing Neyland Stadium, that was the loudest I've ever heard it when John Parker Wilson went out there to try to lead a two-minute drive, and it went really poorly for us. So I remember that victory very vividly the last time the Vols beat the Crimson Tide. So I, I would still say a 10-win season, but what I want to see is against the likes of Georgia and Alabama, I want to see them be extremely competitive. I want it to be a four-quarter game. Because at this point, are they quite ready to take that next step and overtake either one of those two programs? No. But the progress last year was remarkable. And I think if you can continue to have a little bit more progress, there's reason to believe Tennessee, I mean, the fans are frothing at the mouth already about what might be coming in the future. So I think there's a lot to like. There's a lot to be excited about. I'm just cautiously optimistic about Tennessee this year. I think those that are envisioning a 10-win season just feels the tiniest bit far-fetched. I think they'll be good, I think they'll be competitive, and I think they'll be improved from where they were last year. But 10 wins, possible East title, I'm not quite ready to go that far. All right, next one comes from Miranda in Atlanta. Is it me or is Georgia not getting the hype that a defending national champion usually gets? Is it possible for them to be under the radar? Uh, it's kind of interesting that you say that because as I hear that question and I've I read it for the first time. I thought to myself, man, we spend very little time talking about Georgia this offseason. I mean, we've spent more time talking about Texas A&M and LSU than we have Georgia. And not, hey, look, LSU because of the rift that happened between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. LSU because of the hire of Brian Kelly. Like, it's understandable that there's been more discussion around those two programs. I get it, but we're still talking about the defending national champion that brings back 
a lot of really good pieces. I feel like the last thing we heard about Georgia was them setting the record and setting the NFL draft on fire. That was about the last thing I feel like we've heard from them. So I actually, I kind of agree with you. Uh, I feel like this is one of those teams, and we called their spring game. And I remember sitting there in the stands thinking, this team has a chance, especially on offense, to be better than they were last year. I mean, I think their offense has a chance to take a real step. Now, Stetson Bennett's back, but he's got four unbelievably good tight ends, led by Brock Bowers. I think their running backs, there will be no drop-off whatsoever. They're going to miss Cook. They're going to miss Zamir White, for sure. But they have two unbelievable pieces in Milton and McIntosh that should step right in and fill those voids admirably. And then on the defensive side, you still have some great players along the defensive line. You have great players in the secondary. The question mark that I have right now is just how unproven they might be at linebacker, knowing just how great they were last year. They had three linebackers drafted there in the first three rounds, and Kobe Dean being the best one, he was drafted third of the three, or second of the three, but it wasn't a big stretch between him and Channing Tindall. So I guess knowing that that was the strength of their defense last year, that's my tiniest bit of concern. But Georgia has long had a great history with linebackers, so I'd be surprised if they didn't fill those voids admirably. So I agree with you. I think they have been tiniest bit under the radar, and uh, something will tell me that'll change as soon as they go out there and, and play a great game week one against Oregon. All right, Greg, last one here comes from Jamari in Athens. How much of an upset would it be if it wasn't Alabama and Georgia in the SEC championship? If it's not them, who could sneak in? I actually think this year, and, and this might sound crazy given how much hype that has surrounded Alabama, I think Alabama is going to be at, at worst number two in college football heading into the season. Uh, I think you make a case for Ohio State being number one. I'd, I'd probably have the Crimson Tide at number one. Um, I have a very difficult time envisioning anyone out of the West beating Alabama this year. I, I, just, I, I think everybody in the West, frankly, has some question marks. Um, not that Alabama doesn't. Alabama has a couple things they need to iron out as well, but let's just go down the list. I think the team that has a real chance to finish second in the West is Arkansas. They're replacing a couple key pieces on defense, and they're replacing their best offensive weapon in Traylon Burks. All right, let's go next to a and I think a and going to be very good offensively, but right now we still don't know what their quarterback situation looks like. And they lost some really good pieces along the defensive line, and they lost their defensive coordinator. In uh, in Mike Elko, who I think does as good a job as anybody in making life difficult on the opposing offense. Go next to LSU. New coach, new system, a lot of unknowns, a lot of youth, a lot of talent, but a lot of youth probably not yet ready to challenge in the SEC West. Mississippi State, unbelievable quarterback. Look at the game against Alabama last year. I don't think that team matches up very well against Alabama because they're not going to put tight ends to help their tackles out against Will Anderson. Will Anderson single-handedly dominated that game. Ole Miss, they lost an awful lot. One of the best seasons in school history. Can't imagine you're going to be able to plug and play all those transfers, and you're going to have no drop-off whatsoever. And then finally, Auburn. Where is Auburn right now? I think Auburn played Alabama really competitively last year. I think Auburn's going to be a lot better than people think. But to challenge Alabama, probably not quite ready to do that. So I think Alabama's going to win the West comfortably. Uh, A&M and Arkansas would be the two teams I'd look at that really could challenge, but uh, I'm not 100% convinced that at this point they're going to be able to get that done. Uh, out of the East, it, it might be just as surprising because, I, like I said, I like South Carolina. I like Florida. I like Kentucky. Uh, I think Missouri's going to be a real handful on offense. I think they can score a lot of points. 
Um, I think defensively, they still have major issues. Tennessee, a lot of people expecting a huge jump from them. I think they'll jump. I just don't know how high. Um, so I have a very difficult time thinking right now that anybody in the East is going to close the gap enough because the gap was so significant last year that I'm not sure it's going to close enough to where somebody could potentially overtake Georgia and get to the SEC championship game. So I, if we're fast-forwarding four months, uh, I don't want to say it's a slam dunk because it's never a slam dunk because of injuries and attrition, but I have a very difficult time thinking that it would be anyone other than the Bulldogs and the Tide in, the, in Atlanta for the SEC championship. What a great show today. Really appreciate you guys being with us. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Wherever it is you're getting your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and if you're with us here on the ESPN YouTube channel, please like, hit us up in the comments section, let us know what we can do better, let us know what you like, let us know what you don't like. All that stuff will really help out the show. You can email the show at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com, and you can hit up the show on Twitter at alwayscfb. For all of us here at Always College Football, I'm Greg McElroy. We appreciate you being with us. And remember, it's always college football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.